Today's podcast, we've got Rod Gruendyke, who is the general manager of the Sunset Marquee Hotel right here in West Hollywood. Yeah, the Sunset Marquee this year is celebrating 60 years. Incredible. And I have actually been in a lot of meetings with with Rod because he Mm -hmm. is the chairman of Visit West Hollywood's board of directors. So talk to him a lot. Nobody, nobody has the kinds of stories that Rod has. And he shares those with us today. Totally. He started off with you two and then went through all of these incredible musicians that have either been here, performed here, and shared this really unique sort of haven that the Sunset Marquee is, this hidden gem right here in the heart of the city. Yeah, everybody's heard of the Sunset Marquee, but nobody knows exactly what the allure is. Mm -hmm. And I think we uncover that today. Yeah, so definitely want to tune into this episode as we hear more from Rod. Well, this is going to be pretty exciting. I'm excited. Yeah, (laughs) no, well, I mean, no. There's so much history here. And uh, I know that, you know, certainly... The Sunset Marquee is so iconic and so much a part of the the fabric of West Hollywood. So um, thanks for taking the time to yeah, it's a pleasure. chat with us and share a bit more of your stories, the story of the property, mm-hmm. and um, give people a taste as far as what they can expect in, in the city. Mm-hmm. So good to see you, Rod. See you, Jeff. Once again, yes. on a podcast. I love yeah. it. In the Americas. We, yeah, right. This is the way we should do it all the <laughs> yeah. time. We, um, before I came to work at Visit West Hollywood, mm-hmm. I would always hear stories about the Sunset Marquee because I have some rock and roller friends who mm-hmm. just are so fascinated with, with the whole uh, industry. And they would always talk about the Sunset Marquee and I'd never been here. And to now be able to work with you and to talk about these stories and to be able to experience it is really uh, very special, first of all. And I appreciate everything you do for Visit West Hollywood. Pleasure. And then um, I was telling these guys, Nobody has stories like Rod Gruendike <laughs> from the Sunset Marquee. Like it is just one thing after another. It's just amazing. So we had to get you on and talk about this stuff. Well, I'm excited to be here and looking forward to sharing some of these yeah. stories with you. Awesome. Yeah. So um, so tell us, you've been here 30 years? 32 years. 32 years. Mm-hmm. Um, How did you end up at the Sunset Marquee? It was a fluke. I was working for Four Seasons Hotels. Mm-hmm. And I had left Four Seasons, and I took a job at the Beverly Region Hotel. Mm-hmm. And I came down, did my interview, and got accepted. And I was staying at the hotel. And then I had about seven days off before I had to begin. And I had recently gone through a, a divorce up in Santa Barbara, so I relocated down to L.A. And I had a friend that was working at the Sunset Marquee Hotel for this company. Her name mm-hmm. was Lisa Hagen. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to Lisa, and she said, why don't you join me for lunch before you go back up to Santa Barbara? I said, I'd love to. And I went to the wrong hotel. So I went to the Westwood Marquee instead of the Sunset Marquee. No. Oh, my gosh. And while I was waiting for Lisa, I met the corporate HR director, Jacques Rougeau, and I met the CEO at that time, Gabriel Esquivias. And we started talking, and they asked me if I was in a hurry to get back to Santa Barbara, and I said no. And they said, why don't you spend the night here, and let's talk tomorrow morning. So I'd be happy to. And I spent the night, and I talked to as many employees as I could throughout the night and wandered the hotel and wandered the Westwood area. And I fell in love with it. And what I noticed the difference between the Regent, Beverly Wilshire, and the Westwood Marquis was the attitude. Mm-hmm. And it was very sterile at the Regent. Um, I came from a, a five-star property, too, up in Santa Barbara, and beautiful grounds. And we had 12 acres and great employees and long-term employees. The Regent had great employees as well, but it seemed like everybody was scared. They were very intimidated by upper management. Mm. And it was kind of a, a unique feel over there. And I had a really good 
good uh, a tour and discussion with employees. So the next morning, I was talking to Lisa and I was talking to the upper management of Raleigh, and they'd asked me to come work for them. And they offered me $40,000 less than what the region offered me. Wow. But I figured if I was ever going to make a change in my life, now was the time to do it. This is and true. When I came over to the Sun Summer Key and I walked back and saw the gardens, and I said it was meant to be because I love the Biltmore in Santa Barbara. I love the outdoorness. I love the location. Yeah. And when I saw the gardens here, I said, okay, this is where I want to work. So I told the ownership, I'll work for them for four months. And if something opened up after four months, then great. If not, we'd shake hands and I go off my separate way. Sure. And four months later, the general manager position came available at the Sunset Marquee and I took it. And I've been here ever since. And I was, as I mentioned earlier, I was a single dad. And some fun stories will lead into one where <laughs> uh, we had you two staying with us. And I told my kids to kind of hide off and to the corner here because I was saying goodbye to the band mm. as they were leaving. And then I noticed Bono walk over and sit down with my kids and start talking to them. And then afterwards we said goodbye and they went on their way. And my daughter comes over and goes, oh my God, what's a Bono? What an unusual name. And she came home and named her parakeet Bono. Oh uh, my gosh. Yeah. And then a couple of years later when she was a teenager, she said, okay, dad, don't tell this story. I know who Bono is. You know, that <laughs> be cool. But my my kids were kind of kind of led me into the guests of the hotel, meeting them. Yeah. And Bono showed up in my office pretty much my first week as well and said, hey, I'm the owner of the hotel. And if you terminate any of the long-term guests here, any of the employees, um, we'll never come back. And I said, not going to get rid of anybody. We're happy to be here and happy to have you. Mm. And then it just built from that point on. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just going to dive in. Yeah, but, yeah um, please. How did Bono and you two end up staying here in the first place? Is it just because of the, the location by the Sunset Strip or what? It, it was the history. So we had, you know, we really kind of thank Jeff Beck uh, for mm. bringing the, the music side of the business to us. Mm -hmm. And we opened the hotel and George Rosenthal was very involved with comedy. He would go down okay. the Troubadour in the comedy club and we'd bring up artists to the hotel and they'd say, well, we have no money. And George said, well, that's fine. We'll do shows on Wednesday nights and they'll pay for your room and board here at the hotel. Wow. So we started with comedy and then Jeff brought down, he moved out of the Ondas, which was the riot house. And he felt mm -hmm. that the American bands were kind of stealing their riffs. And he came down to the Sunset Marquis, walking down Alta Loma, found the hotel and he moved himself down here. Then the Who followed and Lev Zeppelin followed. And we started becoming known as that English hideout for the rock and roll bands mm. so and cool. really kind of took off. Wow. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, so, I mean, it first opened in 1963. Correct. So this is, I mean, it's, and it was it actually one of the first all-suite hotels? It was, first all-suite hotel in the United, United States. And it was also a fluke because the original thought was that when we build the Playboy building on the corner of Sunset Boulevard in Alta Loma, that we were going to attach a large 300-room hotel to the west side of that, that wing. And after we built the building, mm. and when the neighbors found out what we were planning on doing, and the lawsuit started, ah. we backed out of it and then focused on... The, the location where the hotel is at now. Oh, that's so cool. And the original plot was an acre. And then when the, over the course of time, now we're three and a quarter acres. That's amazing. Yeah. So what, what is it about this property that, that really has allows it to be this haven for these creatives, these musical creatives? Like, Well, it starts with George. I think George, the owner, set the tone of what the hotel is going to be. It's going to be a creative hotel. George never wanted to be a high rise. He wanted to be a, a property spread out. He wanted really to entice the entertainment, the creatives to come and visit the mm -hmm. hotel. And that's when he got involved with the city, with the marketing association was the creative city. Mm. 
And George wanted to create this paradise that people were safe in, that they can come in here, they can write music, they can perform, they can write books, uh, they can feel safe, and then be you know, 40 steps from the Sunset Strip or right above Santa Monica, Santa Monica Boulevard. And he wanted to um, entice people to come here and, and stay for long periods of time. Yeah. And that happened. And he created a great environment, and Lisa Hagen took it over, and she did an amazing job here in going after it. When I came in this hotel, I was shocked by how many people overseas knew about the Sunset Marquee. And I want to say more people knew about it in London than locally here. Mm. Yeah. And we would go visit clients in London, and we wouldn't even sit down. We would say, oh, yeah, I'm here with the Sunset Marquee, and I see five or six other hotel representatives there of Peninsula, Four Seasons, big properties. Mm -hmm. And they say, oh, right, on, right this way. We could be immediately let in. And I mm. was in shock. Mm. And we were that well recepted. And, um, you know, we had from a lot of long-term guests staying with us mm -hmm. from that English market. So worked out quite well for us. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, that's such a great point because, yeah. I mean, I know how long I've lived in the city. And I do remember when I first discovered the Sunset Marquee and I was thinking, wait, what, how did I not know that this was here? Yeah. And it is interesting that it is this special place that's just tucked away. Yeah. Uh, and it just has created this really cool environment. But I want to hear a bit more. Um, there's a lot of unique factors about this this particular property. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are really, I believe, the only hotel in the area that has recording studios. That, that is right? correct. Tell yeah. us about that. Nightbird Where Studio. Okay. Started with Jed Lieber. And Jed, uh, his father was Jerry Lieber, Lieber and Stoller. Mm -hmm. And they wrote most of Elvis Presley's music, Jailhouse Rock, Blue Suede Shoes, and they have many, many Grammys. And Jed's a piano player. He's a, a writer, songwriter, a phenomenal musician, piano player. And Jed lived across the street in the same building I did at the time, the Park Wellington. And I was introduced to Jed by Lisa Hagen. We started talking about finding an area for him to set up camp. Mm -hmm. And we had an old studio here that was designed back in the late 80s and was never used. It failed. And it was maybe 400 square feet. And it was being, when I came here, it's been used as a storage room for chairs. Mm. And a very expensive storage room, yeah, probably about eighty thousand, ninety thousand dollars. <laughs> so we took out the chairs and showed Jed, and Jed said, "Yeah, this would work." And we started putting his equipment in there, and realized that it was too small. Next to the studio, we had our own little laundromat for the hotel guests, so the roadies could come in, wash their jeans and t-shirts for fifty cents, yeah. oh, wow. put them in a dryer, and they loved that. Wow! So we knocked the wall down, <laughs> took that out. They almost had a riot here at the hotel with the roadies. They were not sure. happy about that had to send their, their jeans and T-shirts out. <laughs> and we increased the size of the studio, and we still can get Jed's equipment in. Still too small. Oh, my goodness. So on one side, on the right-hand side, were six parking spaces. And we said, okay, let's go six parking spaces. So we built it out. Jed did the interior. We did the exterior. Jed put all the equipment in there. We opened it up, and it took off. And very quickly, what we did... What year was that? 1994. Okay. Wow. And we did... Um, I think in our first or second year, we did the movie Ocean Eleven downstairs. Oh. So it was taken out for about an eight-month eight, year, eight period on a 24-hour lockout. And David Holmes was the was the gentleman that did the music for that. He mm -hmm. was nominated for an Oscar. Didn't win, but nominated. Mm. We had Clooney and the other participants downstairs a lot watching and, and putting the music together. And it was a huge success. And once you get something that clicks, then everybody wants to be there. So we had Drake started there, had won eight Grammys downstairs. Katy Perry went downstairs, Christina Aguilera, and the list went on. Mm. Uh, Steven Tyler, Aerosmith, Green Day, U2, and it just kept going. 
Uh, one time we got contacted by Monday Night Football, said we want Steven Tyler and Joe Perry to do the Monday Night Football song. We put a green screen downstairs outside the studio. They stood up there with their guitar saying, thank God it's Monday Night Football. The next night it was on Monday Night Football. Wow. So we've done a lot of different things. We've done uh, redubs for uh, Tony Bennett. You know, we, we've done John Cleese, Faulty Towers. We did a lot of wow. fun stuff down there as well. That's so, so now great. we've won over 200 Grammys. I was saying, I, I knew yeah. there was some number. I'm going to have yeah. to remember. 200. 200 that either written, performed, or, or um, uh, sung downstairs in our song, performed, or written downstairs in our studio. Uh, American Idol was there the first seven years, American Idol. Wow. We couldn't advertise or share that information. Yeah, but sure. The early days is where the last 10 contestants ended up at. Mm. And, you know, all the kids were around the property rehearsing. And then every, every interview, everything you saw on TV was done downstairs. Wow. So it was a fun time. We got to meet a lot of the young people coming through. And do a lot of the artists who record here stay here they at do. some point during the recording yeah. process? They, they don't have of, to, yeah. but the majority of them do. Yeah. yeah. So part of the allure, I would think, is it just, is. you know, the creative the process, convenience. right? Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh, you never know who you're going to meet. I mean, I used to, when we opened the whiskey bar back uh -huh. in 94, number one bar in California, I'd leave the whiskey bar at 2 a.m., go downstairs to the studio, say goodnight, I'd knock on the door, and Steven Tyler would open the door. Rod Stewart would open the door. That's so and cool. And there'd be all these people down there. And I was the perfect fly on the wall because I have no musical background. Yeah, I was no just going to ask. I was like, do you have zero. any musical background? If it's less than zero, that's me. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I would just say we had this famous purple couch that's still downstairs. Yeah. And I would sit on the, on the purple couch and just kind of hide out and listen to the stories and listen to the, the riffs and listen to the music being played and listen to the sing-alongs. And at like three o'clock or four o'clock, I'd get up and walk home. I lived across the street. And the next day I start up again and do it again. And mm. it was just a, a neat experience. And then when I got kind of in that uncreative mode, mm -hmm. I would go down in the middle of the day and find out who was playing down there. And usually it was Jed working with somebody. Mm -hmm. And I said, can I come in and just sit on the couch? And I'd sit on the couch and listen to them create music and play. And I was just amazed by it. And it got wow. me excited again to go back upstairs and keep going. Mm. So you mentioned the whiskey bar, which yeah. is now called Bar 1200, Correct. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, how long was it the whiskey bar? We were legal for, I won't say, at the time. Mm -hmm. And the first night we opened, we had 24 people there. And Randy freaked out. I said, that's okay. It's a small bar in a, in a small hotel. Not an issue. Second night, we turned away 500 people. Third night, we were turning away thousands. No wow. way. Yeah. And it was scary. And I ended up hiring very quickly six or seven off-duty police officers. Yeah. I had uh, six to eight of my own staff. So I have 12 people around the bar and outside the street there. I was trying to appease my neighbors. And it took us a couple of months to get kind of organized and, and under control where you had to be on a list to get in. The list was my list. I was turning away superstars, mm. which you know were angry at me. Yeah. And I, I was, you know, people didn't like me a lot. And I just said, it's a tiny space. I got to follow the rules. Yeah. I bear with us. Uh, the city put me on a pager 24-7, so any complaint from the neighborhood oh. would come to me directly out to respond to. Wow. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so it was an interesting time. And we had the A-list, you know, Cher, the Rolling Stones. You know, we had George Harrison. Uh, you know, Julian Lennon, longtime guest, was there. Mm. Uh, his father, John, used to stay with us in the 60s and 70s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every... You know, when Friends was first started, the group from Friends would be here every night. Yeah. Every A-lister oh, cool. would be here at the hotel. And it was just amazing seeing this tiny space they all gather around and be together. It really is in the DNA of the Sunset Marquee, yeah. all of that, right? It was kind yeah. of built in from the very beginning. And you still feel it when you're here. Yeah. Like, I'll bring guests here to have lunch at yeah. Cavatina, and we'll be sitting out there, and one day we saw Cardi B walk by. Yeah. 
And the people I was having lunch with just fell off their chairs. They're like, oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, she's here recording. It's, you know, just another day at the Sunset Marquee. You obviously, you know, this property has has been um, such an integral part of the creative community. And you've even had uh, different different celebrities, musicians that have mm-hmm. lived here over the years. And performed here. And performed here. Yeah. Can, we, can we share a couple yeah. for those that might not know? Well, the room we're in right now, we or this building, mm-hmm. I won't tell you what the name of it is, but the, this building here was very popular with most of the groups. So Gloria Stefan lived here for six years, six months out of the year. That's great. And so did Phil Collins. <gasps> So they would spend as Love much time him. here as they possibly can. We saw Phil's family, you know, his children grow up. here, grow up here, yeah. learn how to swim here at the hotel. Oh, that's neat. And then we had, you know, the Who, this is their favorite, favorite villa here location. Billy Bob Thornton lived here for four years in this villa, you know, wow. nonstop. And Billy's, you know, our, one of our favorite guests of the hotel. He's the mayor of the Sunset Marquee. So we feel, <laughs> you know, very honored to have people like that staying here. Michael Bolton's been staying here since the 1960s. Ooh. And you know, we run into Michael. I mean, everybody runs into Michael here on properties here all the time. Yeah. Uh, I had a funny story where, where John Oates of Hollow Notes, um, I met John when I was 17 or 18 years old in Santa Barbara doing an internship at a hotel. Yeah. And he got thrown out of the Billmore Hotel because his girlfriend wouldn't button her shirt. <gasps> And he called me up and said, is it okay if we come over here and my, my girlfriend doesn't button her shirt? And I said, hey, I'm 18 years old. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Not a problem. <laughs> yeah. And they came over and when he asked me if I had a piano. I said, I will this night, tonight after the wedding was over. And took him down there. He goes, let me play some music I've been working on. Next thing I know, he's singing me Sarah and playing some other songs. And I'm going, here I am. Going, Good song. This yeah. is amazing <laughs> what's going on. Flash forward 25 years or 20 years. And now he's staying with me at the hotel. And we become friends. And I told Jeff, I said, mind if I tell you a story? And he goes, sure. And I told him that story. And he couldn't believe that I was the same kid, you know, when I was 19 or 18 years old. I met him there at that hotel. And we did a uh, performance here for our 50th anniversary. I had Stevie Wonder come in and perform. And John was on tour, and he was here at the hotel. Uh, Billy Gibbons was uh, not on property, and he was on tour. And Billy said that he'd fly in and perform. So I got Billy Gibbons in here. So we put together a band. And it, the reason why this happened was um, Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page were going to be my, my performers for that night. And everything was going smoothly until about a week out. And the Olympic Committee from London contacted Jimmy Page and said, uh, we want to fly you to China right away for the closing of the Olympics in China. And we want you to stand on top of a red double-decker bus and play a song. And we're going to advertise mm. we're going to the next Olympics is in London. And Jimmy goes, I hate to do this to you, but I'm pulling out. And I go, oh, my God. I looked over at Jeff, and Jeff goes, well, if Jimmy's not here, I'm not going to perform because I wanted to perform with Jimmy. So now I'm left with no talent. So within a matter of a week, we put it together, and my assistant had worked for Steven Tyler before. I'm sorry, for Stevie Wonder before. And uh, she called him and got on the line with him, introduced myself. And I had met Steven, or Stevie when I was back in my early 20s at another hotel. Wow. And really? I told him that story. And he kind of started laughing. He goes, yeah, what, what date is it? I gave him the date. He goes, yeah, I'll be there. I said, that's it? He goes, that's it. I'll see you 9 o'clock that night. Oh. And I was sweating it, thinking that he would never show up. And, but John Oates said, you know what, Rod? I'll play for you. I'm in town. I'll put a band together. And Jed Lieber played keyboards. And we, uh, we had a, a drummer. And we had a Joe Bonamassa yeah. was living behind us. And Joe said, I'll come over and play. And then Billy Gibbons showed wow. up. And Billy played a guitar. Wow. Now we got this great band and great singers. And at 9 o'clock, Stevie Wonder showed up and performed. And I just kind of fell against the wall to the side and someone took a picture of it. But like all my stress, 
all my high blood pressure just <laughs> yeah. left me all at oh once. Oh my gosh! I'm I said, sure. "This is really happening. This moment is really happening." Where did where did he perform? Down by the pool or down by the pool? But the main pool or yeah, the main yeah. pool? Okay. We had twelve hundred people in the hotel, and we had so many people that we so had put TV sets around the hotel on oh. the back areas for people to watch what was going on. Everybody was on their balconies performing. We had neighbors on their balconies couldn't believe. They said, oh, my God, that guy sounded so much like Stevie Wonder. That was great. Let them hear it again, you know? Yeah. So, well, actually, yeah. you're like, Stevie well. Wonder. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And we've had Steven Tyler perform here. We've had Julian Lennon perform here. We've had Miley Cyrus perform here. So we've had a lot of artists, a lot of yeah. A-list artists. Yeah. And I Keeps love going. that story because it just shows what you've cultivated. Yeah. I mean, because they really were like, no, we're going to rally and do this. And, and... I mean, how cool. Not, not every day that somebody no. can just say, I call, called up Stevie Wonder and he did us a solid. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. We never, the, the, the thing about the sense of marquee, we don't use people. So I, I'm saying yeah. their names now and I know oh. it's okay with them to say their names. Yeah, of course. And to share that. And we protect them. And I've been here so long, I'm you know, taking care of their kids now. And it's, it's a unique place where people feel safe. They know that we're going to protect them. We, we never ask for anything in return. Yeah, of course. And so when we're doing something, someone's saying, oh, you're going to invite me back? So after the 50th anniversary, I had like five or six people that we didn't invite say, hey, can I come back to the 60th? So we have some unique people when we do it again that want, will be up here performing at the hotel. Yeah. Oh, we that'll gotta, be. Yeah. We got to get that big 60th happening. Yes, yeah. we do. It's so interesting to see, you know, who's been here over the years and then they come back, you know, and it, I, I mean, that it's so unique mm -hmm. to, because it, there, there aren't really other places that can quite say that. And certainly not within yeah. the music community. Yeah. I mean, there's, we have great hotels in West Hollywood and we each have our own uniqueness, you know. Yeah. We don't have the views of the Pindry or the Mondrian or the Edition or one hotel. But we have, we're, as you found out today, we're on three and a quarter acres and very spread out. Um, we have, you know, our services are different from those hotels. And those are more chain properties yeah. and known more around the world than we are. We're kind of this, this hidden little paradise that our old ad campaign was, if you know where it is, you know where it's at. And that's who we are. That's a good, that's, couldn't be more accurate. Yeah. So, okay, we're, yeah. we're in West Hollywood. For those that might not be as familiar with mm -hmm. West Hollywood or just, you know, they're, they're interested in putting it on why, why it should be on the map for them. How would you describe the essence of, of the city? Yeah. Well, if you, if you start with the hotel, I worked for a, a company I mentioned earlier, where if you were in the, if you were blindfolded and took the blindfold off in the guest room, you wouldn't know what city you're in. Correct. And <laughs> And the, the Sun Summer Key is not like that. You know immediately what hotel you're at. You immediately know what, where you're at. And the city of West Hollywood is the same way. There's so many unique things here of, of the rock and roll element on the Sunset Strip, mm -hmm. of the gay element on Santa Monica Boulevard. Mm -hmm. of the, the design of district. The design district, exactly. of the energy that's here. You know, there's, what, 18 hotels in, in West Hollywood. Each one's unique and different. There's so many boutique hotels that they're hidden away mm -hmm. that have tennis courts on top and swimming pools on top and bars on top, yeah. that each one has their own uniqueness that, yeah. that attracts people to this area. Yeah. And it does have that. And I think what's so great about this is that it does have that neighborhood feel. Yeah. So when you're staying here, you do feel like you're actually living like a local, mm -hmm. which so many people I think are gravita gravitating yeah. towards now. And, and the other thing is when I drive by the other hotels, uh -huh. I watch the guests that come out of it and I say, you know what? 
they're marketing beautifully for that hotel. Mm -hmm. That's the right guest for that property. It's, it's not a guest for the addition. It's not the right guest for us. It's the right guest for that hotel. Yeah. Where they're looking for something that's easier to get in and out. They're looking for more private, walkable to the restaurants, whatever. Every hotel has its uniqueness. Totally. It does. Okay. I love this, uh, this game I play with everybody yep. called playing favorites. Yep. Okay. Obviously fan favorite is the sunset marquee and everything here. But if somebody was coming to West Hollywood, I mean, mm -hmm. you've lived here mm -hmm. right across the street for some time, what would be some, how would you kind of curate their, their perfect day, uh, in, in West Hollywood? Yeah. Well, it's Coons hardware. So if you want to have exactly. an image, oh my God, Russ Wilson and his brother, business there 50 years, or I don't know how long they've been there, yeah. but I can't tell you how many times either for my apartment here or for the hotel, <laughs> for the I'm hotel. an account. I probably spend a couple thousand dollars a month with them for the past 30 years. By the way, That's I love it. That's, That's a good, good plug. It is yeah. because, yeah. It, and I love that you bring that up because yeah. that is something that everybody, you know, especially when you're thinking about Sunset Boulevard, or yeah. Santa Monica Boulevard, you're thinking about all the bars and the yeah. restaurants and the next thing you know, you've got Coons Hardware and, yeah. you know, for probably most tourists wouldn't necessarily see it, but yeah. it's a reminder that we, that we are a neighborhood. Yeah. We are people live yeah. here. Yeah. And you're going to see just as many stars. I was going to say, there's there. probably, yeah. probably they all live really, on the Hollywood Hills yeah. here. Exactly. So, interesting so, celeb so celeb there. spotting yeah. at Coots Hardware. Yeah. That's where it's at. Yeah. That's good. You know, but that's West Hollywood. I mean, yeah. that's the uniqueness of it to, to have those, you know, the people don't know what the PDC is. They don't know if it's, right. it's open to the public and you walk through It's this big, green, blue, red building. It's amazing inside, you know, and to have Wolfgang Puck to open a restaurant there and do things, it's, mm -hmm. it's fantastic. And that's what's unique about West Hollywood. And, and believe me, I, I walked to all my meetings. I walked up and down the strip. You know, you walk in and out of places, you're meeting the, you're meeting the, the energy of West Hollywood. You're meeting the people, they have their, their blood and life and energy involved in it. Yeah. And it's neat. Yeah. So for people who want to stay here, yeah. the best place to be in touch with the Sunset Marquee is oh. sunsetmarquee.com, I'm assuming, right? Correct. Or visit westhollywood.com, mm -hmm. either yeah. way. You can go to both. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but any tips for anybody? Best time of year to visit? Best, any, you know? It's, any? There's something special going on all throughout the year. Yeah. Yeah. So the first quarter is all the award shows. Mm -hmm. So every hotel in West Hollywood is very busy with Grammys. Correct. Oscars, there's like 18 award shows going on. Yes. So the first quarter is very busy. The second quarter is production starts up. So mm -hmm. a lot of advertising is going on and production groups are going through. The summer months then leads into the music side of it. So the bands are touring. So second to third quarter, you have a lot of bands going through West Hollywood and touring. And then at the end of the year, you have the production people being back. They're doing the commercials for New Year's and for the Super Bowl and whatever else is happening in that time period for the beginning of the year. Yeah. So, so all years, all year throughout the year, it's amazing. West Hollywood, um, you know, it's just, again, a, I feel very thankful that, you know, how in the heck did I end up here, you know, in West Hollywood where my pathway, you know, if it had been for that one breakfast that I missed right? and went to the wrong location, I never <laughs> would have been here. And but, 32 years later, I'm still here working for the Rosenthal family. I yeah. But again, I think that's so much of what we found in, in all of our conversations that we've had mm -hmm. on, on this podcast is that these little like happy accidents mm -hmm. yeah. that turn into something that it's like this was so meant to be. Yeah. And, and what you've been able to, yes, this might have already been established, you know, to a certain extent, but then what you've been able to add mm -hmm. and continue on this legacy I mean, now you're yeah. very much a part of the fabric. Yeah. 
If I can share one more story. Yeah, please, please. At our Cavatina restaurant, when we're developing them and actually putting the pictures on the walls and the chairs in the room, uh, Whoopi Goldberg came in and Mm. she had a a gift wrapped up and she's very dear friends with Timothy White. Mm -hmm. And uh, we opened up the picture and was her sitting on a toilet (laughs) at Disney World in Florida. And she goes, I want this mounted right next to the entrance of the women's bathroom of your restaurant down here. And she goes, Rod, this actually happened. You know, I was at Disney World with my grandchildren and my daughter. And when I was going to the bathroom, people were putting their autograph books underneath the stall for me to sign them. And she goes, I thought it'd be such a funny picture. I had Timothy shoot it. Oh, my God. And she goes, I want this at your hotel next to the bathroom. So today, you walk down there, it's next to the women's bathroom. Oh, yeah. And she walked in. Billy Bob Thornton saw that and said, hey, I want my picture up I here. I want a version of that. So he walked in with his bad Santa picture where he's collapsed by the urinals. He goes, I want my picture right next to the Timothy shot next to the men's washroom. So oh that's downstairs. I, so everywhere in the hotel, there's a story to be told. Every picture you see at the hotel, have, those guests have stayed with us. The guitar down there, those are all pictures except mm-hmm. for two that were shot at the hotel. Mm-hmm. And that guitar was hand-painted. So many treasures. So many treasures. That is so great. Oh, I'm definitely going to have to go take a look at, at that artwork by the bathroom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's been there. I didn't know the story behind it. Yeah. I didn't know that it was personally chosen by personally you. Personally chosen. That's that is, so cool. That makes it even cooler. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, this has been such an incredible conversation. As I, always. Yeah. We could, as, we could talk for two more hours yeah. and still not even hear all no, of it. No. Right. All right, Rod. Yeah. Congratulations on the 60th anniversary. No. And thanks for everything. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank yeah. you. Thank you.